Hello and welcome back to Movie Mastery. This is the show where me, your host John, and my co-host Jeff watch movies that you recommend to us. And this week, we've got one recommended by Brian S. Wing Commander. You may remember Wing Commander as a video game. Several video games. Yeah. It had uh, some real weird CGI stuff to it with, uh, like... Some real life I gotta be honest guys here, I, walking around. I never played a Wing Commander game. I'm just aware of them. I I played a Wing Commander game. The uh, it had Mark Hamill and a weird lion guy and some stuff, and it was mostly like an X-wing ripoff. That's kind of what I would imagine that they would be. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know what genre they are. Were they space simulators? Like, were you flying? A sh- playing yeah, a- you were. You were in the actual like okay. uh, ship, flying around, shooting stuff. See, but figured- then you had a bunch of like cutscenes with Mark Hamill talking to a big lion. All right, I, yeah. I could see Mark Hamill doing that. I could see him doing that and having a good time. Yeah. No, I mean, in between doing that and the Giver, I mean, what else was he really doing at that point? I, I don't know, but but I do know that this movie doesn't have Mark Hamill in it, and it would only be improved by his presence, right? Based also, on... I didn't see a big lion guy in the trailer. No, no big lion. Well, I, I, I have to assume that Matthew Lillard is the film's big lion guy. I mean, <laughs> did you see that hair? Oh, uh, quite the mane. He's very bleached. So, uh, this film stars Freddie Prinze Jr. Yeah, and Matthew Lillard, as mentioned. Yeah, and then also Saffron Burroughs, the original star of Deep Blue Sea before she tested as a bad guy, so they switched her to being a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, for some reason, I, I've never seen him get such high billing before, where they actually say his name during a preview in a movie. Uh, Checky Cario. Yeah. I, I've never... I always... First of all, I always associate his name because his first name is Checky. I always think it's Checky and that he's going to be like a borscht belt comedian. Oh, yeah. No, as soon as they said that, I was like, what, is he going to be doing shtick now? He's just going to go out <laughs> there and be like, take my wife, please! Ah! But no, it's Checky. It's a different thing. And, and he's, yeah. he's a character actor who's in a lot of films. I've never seen him get high billing. Also, I wonder what came out right before this, because this... This trailer was cut for Matthew Lillard, and not, <laughs> not for Freddie Prince Jr. I mean, you can tell it's going to be one of those two guys and a girl save the world type things, like your stealth or something. Okay, honestly, watching this, the trailer really, really looked like like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Like, it just looked like sort of splitting the difference between the old Battlestar Galactica and the new Battlestar. Yeah. it. So it was like, oh, we're, we're guys that are pilots, and we're going to save the world, and we're out... Doing that, but it was way goofier. Well, it's got the dynamic of one serious guy, the woman who's going to fall in love with that serious guy, and their zany friend. Well, there's always the, I'm a serious guy, I'm a girl who's way more competent than everyone else, yeah. and the goofy friend. That's, it's Harry Potter, it's everything you've ever seen. It's the only way you're allowed to put three characters in the forefront of a movie, is if one of them is a hyper-competent woman, one of them is a total goofball, and one of them is a lead role played by Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> it's the only way you're allowed to do this. So we can already tell Saffron Burroughs is going to fall in love with Freddie Prince Jr., and I would put 75% odds on Matthew Lillard dying. Uh, it's entirely possible. Uh, maybe. It looks this maybe, is, maybe a little too uh, sticky sh- uh, for him to die, maybe a little too slapstick. Yeah, but that's that's the whole thing with those characters, is that they end up going like, Oh, I'll save you, protagonist, and then yeah. dying somehow. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have a serious turn of heart here at the last possible second. Uh, I'm gonna, I will, I'll show you that I can be a good pilot. But seriously, though, what movie came out right before this where they recut it because Freddie Prinze Jr.'s number was down and Matthew Lillard's was way, way up? I don't know. Uh, when did this come out? Was this Scream? Is this Scream time? It might have been Scream time, because this is sometime in the late 90s, so it might have been a Scream movie that did that. Because the way they cut it, they're like, it's all Matthew Lillard lines. You're lucky if you can spot Freddie Prinze Jr. in the thing. Yeah, he gets a couple lines, but it's mostly the Lillard. Yeah, which is Maybe weird. it was Scooby-Doo. Oh, could have been Scooby-Doo. <laughs> this is right after his star briefly rose. <laughs> oh, Matt. It's him and Checky Cario really riding that Wing Commander wave. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, my oh, there's my prediction. I think that there's about a 75% chance that uh, What's-His-Face will die. You got anything? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I already said what I assume the dynamic is. Uh, I, I'm i not even sure from the trailer that we'll even see the Kulrathi oh, yeah, that they're, they're at they, war with. They mention them, and then they show their ships, but it might be that you never see in the ships. Yeah, I don't know if they had the budget to make a giant lion man. Yeah, so, or they had the budget, but they didn't know how to use it, like in films like, say, for example, Contact. Yeah, like, I'm... My prediction is one shot. Yeah. They get one opportunity yeah. to show every lion man. <laughs> but 
They'll show the Kilrathi for one second, and it'll look like the main character's dad. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> He'll it. He'll be like, uh, son, our actual appearance would blow up your brain, so uh, I'm here as your dad to talk about how you shouldn't get too worried about it. <laughs> or it could be like Ender's Game, where they're just described as bugs, and you get one shot of one at the end. Yeah, no, I, that's sort of my assumption. They'll yeah. go, oh, they're big line men, and then maybe get like a shot in the background when they talk about them. They're like, these are the Kilrathi, and it's just like a static picture. Yeah. By the way, if you ever want to hear me really angry when I'm reviewing movies, someone send us a recommendation for contact because because <laughs> that movie pisses me off like no other movie ever has. <laughs> All right, there you go. So All right. uh, I we think- will. Uh, yeah, we'll be back after watching Wing Commander. Yep. Okay. So, uh, welcome back. That was a wonderful movie. That was great. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Wing Commander. Let's make noise come out of our face and make it be relevant to Wing Commander. Okay. Beep. I- <laughs> Beep. Boop. Beep. Beep. <laughs> Sorry. It's just that this movie has a lot of. Uh... Computer noise. Yeah, it's something that always gets me in movies that are about the uh, you know science fiction type movies. Is that all the computers are noisy as hell, like constantly. You know how in your own life you usually have the sound of your computer turned off because fuck that shit because it's not 1995 anymore and you don't need to have uh, the whole cornholio speech play every time you boot up your computer so you can play Doom Two. Oh yeah, no, this isn't a Windows 95 computer in space. We don't need it to be like, oh, I got an instant message and it plays Monty Python going message for you, sir. <laughs> Like, this is not something we need. And even then, your computer only plays noise when it's like, hey, something went wrong and I need to get your attention. Yeah. It's not like, alright, you opened up your window to go browse the internet. Uh-oh, we're populating the space inside of that win- window with images of the things that are inside that folder. Like, if you're one of those guys sitting down at one of the sci-fi radar stations that's just constantly going, bing. Womping, womping. You'd think after an hour of work, you'd be like, guys, guys, what the fuck? I mean, I understand why this is happening. It's because just looking at a computer screen doesn't make for good movie. But eventually you start to notice, especially in a movie like this where there are a lot of com- of constant computer screens at which to look. Yeah, and it's just constant noise. Like, in Star Wars... When you've got, like, oh, what do we have? Well, computers occasionally make noise, but mostly it's the droids that are beeping at us. So at least we understand that that beeping is, like, a language of some sort. Yeah. Whereas this is just, hey, I have a computer, and it wants to show me a map. And when it shows me that map, it needs to go... Yeah, just constant. And I guess you're... I guess it's supposed to... I mean, video games do this too, right? Like, do you think Wing Commander actually had the, the video when you opened up the map in Wing Commander? It was like... Or something like that? Oh, probably, I'm sure. Yeah, so I guess it kind of makes some sense. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. So, uh, why don't we talk about the plot of this thing, I guess? It is almost incomprehensible. It's, It's not that the plot is super complicated, and so that's why it's hard to follow. It's mostly that nothing makes sense, and there's no reason for anything to be happening, and we're just supposed to go, yeah, all right. I mean, you can basically sum the plot up very quickly. There's... A, a, a space station gets attacked by the Kilrathi, uh, who are nebulous creatures that fly around in ships that are powered by green, which is how you know they're bad. Yeah, we get a little intro at the beginning where they're talking about, like, oh, we get that uh, JFK oh, voiceover. The, JF, the JFK quote about uh, about space. Yeah. Uh, and then we get, like, oh, we made contact with the Kilrathi, and we exhausted all diplomacy, so we're now at war. Okay, great. Although, granted, the the idiots that populate this movie would be really bad at diplomacy. Oh, I have to imagine, considering this movie is wall-to-wall people being bad at their job. Oh, yeah. This is like the Venture Brothers in space without comedy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't think anyone ever follows an order all the way through this film. No, literally every single time someone's like, hey, I need you to do this, they will not do that. Yeah, they never do. It's a comedy of dumb shit errors. So, okay, the basic plot is, there's this space station out in space. It's get, it gets attacked by the Kilrathi. 
the only job that the space station guys have before they die is they have to blow up the nav computer that has the coordinates for Earth on it so that they can stop the Kilrathi from learning where Earth is so they can attack it. So, but they fail, and the Karathi managed to get those coordinates. All right? Okay. Great. Someone figures this out because they send out a distress beacon. So there's one ship flying around through space, and they go, Hey, uh, hey, someone got our coordinate thing, so you have to stop them from make- making it to Earth. And uh, the guys on the ship that pick up the coordinate, including David Warner, is like the emperor of, of, of like, mil- military. <laughs> He's an emperor of that boat. He's the emperor of that boat. He's like, okay, who's closest to that? And they're like, oh, it's this one little ship, sir. It's a, it's a tiger claw or some damn thing. Okay, well then, give them a floppy disk drive. Oh no! Can... See, the t- the tiger claw is the big carrier. Oh yeah, okay. The sorry. diligent is the little. The diligent, one. which is uh captained by Jackie Cario as a French guy, and for some reason, although he is a civilian, his crew is two military dudes. Yeah, and it's never explained why two military pilots are just hanging out on some civilian vessel that we don't know what they're doing? No, they're just out in deep space somewhere. They're just hanging out. Yeah, and the two of them are just being dorks on this guy's ship in full military uniform and calling him sir and stuff, but the idea is that he's not military. Like, no one refers to him as military. Warner contacts him as like... Even during the movie, they constantly are like, you're just a civilian guy. Don't fucking do whatever. Right. So, why does he have military guys serving under his command? It is never explained. So, anyway, uh, they manage to get the message to that little ship that they have to go find a slightly larger ship that is in another area and deliver a secret, super important military message to them. And then they open up a little car- a little uh, cartridge slot on the ship, that they- the-, the little uh, escape ship that has Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard on it, yeah. and it's got a physical disc in it with this information. Yeah, and the... <sighs> Teleported through space, I guess? So, I don't understand how they got this message in the first place, and it's too late for them to then send a message back. Okay, base gets attacked by Kilrothi. The base is way out in Kilrothi space. Now, they send a message saying, hey, we've been attacked, and they got the nav computer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that manages to make it back to David Warner's ship. David Warner's ship is around Earth. He is in Soul System. Yeah, home of the bacon dog. Yeah, Soul System. Home of the bacon dog. Right. That big sign you see whenever you enter Soul System. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, Obviously. Been, it's been attached to Venus. <laughs> the red planet. <laughs> the red planet in this film. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so David Warner's ship gets the uh, distress call of, hey, we were attacked, they took our nav computer. Okay, so then they need to contact another ship to go tell a different ship Hey, you need to go stop, stop like Kilrathi. slow down the Kilrathi until our fleet can make it to Soul System. Right, and and apparently the way I think I, I oh you know what I think I finally understand just now. Here's what it is: the uh, the ship with uh, with Checky Cario and the other two main characters on it is also somewhere around the Soul System, but they're the closest ones to that that uh, warp jump point thing that that Scylla whatever they call that. So they are ordered to go through it. To get closer to the other ship that's out in Kilrathi space that can be a part of it. That that's that actually explains a lot and makes sense, except that the whole warp and space thing is is ill ill defined throughout the film. Well the the other thing is, so they they decide, alright, we're gonna give this pseudo civilian almost military ship this secret code to go give to this ship that tells them, hey, delay the cool the Kilrathi if you can. Right. But I don't understand why David Warner's giant Fuck off ship didn't go with to help on this because it's Earth defense. It has to stay there to defend Earth. Yeah, but if the Kilrathi come through, one ship being there isn't going to matter. They're going to have an entire like Kilrathi fleet coming through. They the only way that they're going to be able to save Earth is if the full uh, Confederated fleet shows up. Maybe maybe sublight speed is still super slow. But they they can jump. We've established that big old ships can jump places. But the only times they ever do that is when they jump through stupid subspace things. Yeah, but he could just go... We also established, when in the end of the film, that that stupid Scylla time-space rip is right next to Earth for fucking no reason. That's what I'm saying. I'm on Team Wing Commander now. <laughs> God damn it. Here you... I go. I'm on Team Wing Commander. I can explain this movie. In the, in space, out in Kilrathi space, the, the space station is attacked. 
They manage to get a message somehow by sending out a drone or something. That's what they do. They launch a drone. That drone manages to get a message to David Warner's ship, which is orbiting Venus in Earth space. They say, oh crap, we have to get out to the Scylla, which is the uh, the warp point thing, but it's pretty far from here, and the only way for us to get to it would be sublight travel, which is fairly slow. So they say, who's closest to it in sublight, ra- sub-light ranges? And it comes up to be some French guy in a weird old trader ship, and he has two military dudes on, the- on his <laughs> ship. They're close enough to us that we can message them, but they're also fairly close to the warp point thing that we need. So let's contact them. They contact them. They go through the warp point. That gets them to kill Rathy Space faster than David Warner's ship could have gotten to the warp point. Okay. Explained. Now, the other question I have is, why didn't they just send a message along? Like, they got the message from the base. I know, they could have sent a video message. I mean, they actually literally were talking to David Warner on a little TV for a couple of minutes. Why didn't they just record that? Because the first thing that happens when they get to the Tiger Claw, which is the base of operations for the mo- for most of the movie, when they get to the Tiger Claw, the first thing the Tiger Claw captain and, and uh, vice captain or whatever say is, we don't believe you. Yeah, you have this encrypted disk with military encryption that has, like, protocols that only military people would be giving us, but maybe you're just some fucker. Maybe you warped out here to the middle of nowhere to fuck with a ship that you couldn't find without knowing where it is in the first place, just for fun. (laughs) Yeah, just for funsies. You want us to go, I don't know... Into Kilrathy space because it amuses you. I, th- I almost feel like we should start this one over because we've been talking for 15 minutes and it doesn't make any sense. Okay, okay, no, no, because that's the experience. That is the Wing Commander experience. All right, so nothing makes sense. Why don't we just pause for a second and set our cast of characters? Okay, all right. So we have David Warner. He uh, is he's the emperor of a spaceship, and he doesn't matter for most of the movie. We have uh, Checky Green, our Borscht Belt comedian. We have Jackie Cario. He is Captain Taggart. He runs a little ship with two military guys on it, and later in the film it is suddenly revealed that he's actually military and he's just been keeping that a secret for no damn reason. Yeah, okay. We have our two military guys on his boat. We have Freddie Prinze Jr. and Matthew Lillard. Freddie Prinze Jr. is playing a guy named J.G. something something. And yeah, J.G. Wentworth. J.G. Wentworth. Uh, and he sucks. He, he's like the worst character. He is the main character of the movie. His big deal is that he is half Pilgrim. Pilgrims are a species, or, or the first humans to have left the solar system, and over some some time spent in space, they developed the ability to navigate perfectly through space, but they also lost a little bit of their humanity, and now humans are very racist against them, including him, even though he is only half Pilgrim. Yeah, there was a mention of a Pilgrim war. Apparently the Pilgrims decided, fuck it, we're no longer human, and they went to war, and then they got mostly exterminated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... His, Freddie Prince Jr.'s dad fought in the Pilgrim War, but also uh, married a Pilgrim. Uh, so we get sort of a weird Vietnam thing going on there. Yeah, he fought in the Pilgrim War, and then he married a Pilgrim, and I believe he taught her the secret of growing maize. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the so he's half Pilgrim, which means that the, he can... He can navigate perfectly things. through space, yes. Yeah, so he can... Uh, do what the nav computers would do perfectly, because nav computers are based on, like, how pilgrim brains would work. So here's a question. What would you say is his role in the military? What did he What did he learn to do at the academy? He's a pilot. He's a pilot, but why is he working as a secondary pilot on some civilian's yacht? Nobody knows. Nobody it knows. never explained, because him and Matthew Lillard, and the only reason we know that at any point that either of these two are pilots is because Matthew Lillard keeps, like punching Freddie Prince Jr.'s character and going, ah, you're the, you were the second best pilot in Academy, apparently meaning he was the first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew Lillard, by the way, playing John Maniac Marshall, who is, or, who is the uh, other pilot main character of the movie, a crazy guy who flies all crazy and is kind of crazy. And is the only guy, aside from our titular wing commander, that has a call sign. Yeah. It's, uh, and then we get our wing commander... Uh, we got our actual wing commander herself. That is Saffron Burroughs playing the role of, I, I don't remember her actual name. Oh, Devereaux. Call sign Angel. Call sign Angel. And, uh, that's the main cast of characters right there. So, uh, basically, they get the message. They get the message that they need to get to the Tiger Claw, which is where Saffron Burroughs is, and it's going to be the main battleship that, for this movie. And then, uh, well, God, Checky Cario goes back into his ship to, like, do some sort of work or something, and, Matthew Lillard puts his feet up on the dash and tries to fly their ship directly into a black hole. Yeah, so they they are heading towards the warp the, point thing. The Confederation warp 
signal yeah. that you have to get to, and it gives you, like, okay, from here you jump like this using whatever, I guess, the black hole for some reason. Yeah. But it's not a black hole, it's just a tear in space-time. It's a tear in space-time, much like my butt. Yes. <laughs> Great. Farts come out of there. Ah, <laughs> uh, out of space-time, I mean. Yeah, tears it, in space-time are where farts come from. Tears in space-time. It's well-known. What? God damn it, we really should start over. Uh, okay. No starting over. Never. All right. So, okay. So, so, so he, he decides, all right, well, apparently I'm real dumb and I don't know that where we're headed is a tear in space time. That would rip us asunder. Even though I am a trained academy pilot and this is the closest jump point apparently to Earth. And you you'd can think see you, it. Yeah, you'd think you'd know that. You could see it from any given bacon dog restaurant that you happen to be standing on, on Earth. <laughs> and yet he's, like, never heard of it. So he decides, well, I'm gonna speed us up by, like, 90% so we can get there faster. But apparently, if you go too quickly to it, you can inch past the signal. And if you go even a little past where you should, you get sucked into a black hole, which... Seems like it would be a bad place to put your signal. Maybe back it off a little. Yeah, it's it's not like space is all that tight. No, <laughs> you you didn't have a lot of like. Well, you know, we we got to fit a few more restaurants around here. <laughs> we got some parking garages. We got to make it as tight as possible there. I tried to put it over there, but the homeowners associate association out here is ridiculous. <laughs> they kept putting a boot on it. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. Then that's how we find out that Freddie Prince Jr. can pilot things amazingly because they get so close that their systems begin to fail. Right, but then he pilots it manually through the warp to wherever they needed to go, even though a nav computer wouldn't have even been able to do it. Yeah, is the you, idea. you piloted through a black hole in under 10 seconds. So apparently pilgrims have the inborn ability to push buttons on what appears to be a, a, a old telephone very fast. Oh yeah, super fast. Because that's what it looks like. It's, it's a, an old telephone where the buttons light up after you press them. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where he's just like, oh, I need to put in a new vector, it's 87G9er. Yeah, so he just keeps going, 243-68513455516554, like that, just just real fast, and I guess that's good enough to get him through the warp point, and then they get to the Tiger Claw, which is just a cavalcade of stupid. It is, top to bottom, the worst military operation that I have ever seen in a movie. Right, literally no one believes anyone else, no one ever follows an order. Every order is questioned. Like, it's you can tell right off the bat, because David Warner contacts the little ship and gets Freddie Prinze Jr. on the phone, and he's like, hey, uh, you guys need to go get this data disk to these people on this military ship. And Freddie Prinze Jr.'s first response, you know, when talking to an admiral, is, why me? Yeah, it's not, yes, sir. Yeah, why me? And instead of an answer from David Warner being, because I fucking said so, grunt. Or even the real answer of, because you're the closest one to the nearest jump point. Yeah. The answer is, I fought with your father in the Pawn Wars. Or the, pro- the, the Pilgrim Wars. The Pilgrim Wars. And he was a good man. What? What's that got to do with it? Who cares? Like, so what? If I was farther away from the jump point than you were, you'd give it to me anyway because you thought my dad was cool? Yeah. Literally, the answer is, I'm David Warner, emperor of this this, this uh, <laughs> space army, and you are a boot. Do your job, boot. <laughs> but that's not what happens in the movie. Instead, he says, why me? I don't even want to do that. Oh, golly shucks. I don't know, Admiral. Yeah. Uh, great. So then they get to the Tiger Claw, and on the Tiger Claw, the French Captain Taggart, uh, Checky Cario, is immediately questioned for why he isn't a secret traitor trying to betray them. Which, okay. So we've got the actual captain of this of the Tiger Claw. Jurgen Frock now. Or no, that's not no. him. That's, that's the vice captain. Yeah, no. The, the main captain of it is a weird-looking guy. He's a character actor. He's been in other movies. He, he looks like, uh, who's the guy who played Monk? Fucking, uh, uh... Really? You think he looks like, uh, the guy who played Monk? Yeah. That guy. That yeah. guy. I'm Fucking gonna, I, that guy. I don't remember his name You know, either. he was on Wings. Tony Shalhoub! Tony Shalhoub. He looks like t- a balder Tony Shalhoub. Well, no, he looks like David Suchet because he is Poirot. <laughs> and the more civilized air of space is suitable for the lungs of Poirot. Because <laughs> he actually is Poirot. Yeah, so it's, it's the guy who played Poirot. Yeah. But he's he the looks first like captain. Tony Shalhoub, and I don't care. <laughs> Fine, he looks like Tony Shalhoub. Anyway, this guy is maybe the only person in here that possibly is decent at his job, but even then, every commander is so just completely a pushover to everyone subordinate to them. Well, let's get to the next big conversation that happens in the film. Yeah. Because, uh... 
Maniac goes off to look around at things, and then uh, Freddie Prince Jr. just hops into the nearest fighting uh, or fighter ship just to sit in it and be like, "Yeah, this is cool." And uh, and then some woman dressed up as a mechanic comes up from behind him, and it's clearly Saffron Burroughs, the star of Deep Blue Sea, and uh, <laughs> and she and she goes hypothetical. You're flying through space, and you encounter a Kilrathi fighter. And another Kilrathi fighter is also there. What there's, do you, one, there's one above you and one, one below you. What do you do? And then he goes, well, I'm a badass, so I do badass space pilot stuff. And she goes, wrong. You're instantly killed because of a stupid thing I didn't add earlier. Next you, hypothetical. You try to pull up, and then they shoot you with a missile. Yeah. Next hypothetical. You're chasing one, and he goes into an asteroid You field. have a lock on. Do, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm, if I'm locked on, then he can't get away in an asteroid field. No, you're dead because the asteroid field was really a trap. And there's five other Kilrathi in there and they kill you. And I really wanted to be like, okay, hypothetical. You're flying along and you encounter a Kilrathi fighter. There's nothing near it. There's no way anyone else could be involved. You have a lock on. Do you shoot it? Well, of course, that's a stupid question. Wrong. You have a brain aneurysm and die. <laughs> yeah. I, just all of these hypotheticals where she's like, I'm going to show how much better I am at being a pilot than you are just... I've decided I can make up anything I want. Yeah, I'm very good as a pilot when I use entirely my imagination. <laughs> I was trained at the Reading Rainbow Academy. <laughs> oh, fighter pilot in the sky. <laughs> I, I can, can go twice, twice as high. high. The operational ceiling is only 40,000 feet unless you're imaginary. <laughs> Uh, it's oh. so annoying. It, it, I really want to just be like, hypothetical, you're about to get eaten by a space T-Rex. What do you do? I shoot it. No, you're eaten by the space T-Rex. The end. Ha <laughs> I can also do this. <laughs> anyway, no, you, the space T-Rex was a distraction. Two space velociraptors come up from behind you. Whoa. One of them's got a syringe and he gives you space syphilis. <laughs> the other one arrests you for crimes against velociraptors. Ha <laughs> ha. Hypothetical. Alright, so anyway, it turns out she's his boss, the Wing Commander Angel. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm not a mechanic, I'm your Wing Commander. And then he's like, oh shit. Roll credits. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so dumb. I get At that point, they go off to meet the rest of the pilots, of which there are two that have names. Yeah, we get Hunter and Rosie. Hunter and Rosie. Uh, Rosie is Matthew Lillard's love interest. She's and I wish Hunter was Freddie Prince Jr.'s love interest. <laughs> it would make the movie a lot better. They get clo- they get pretty close to each other. A few oh yeah, times. they've they've got that. Oh, I hate you so much. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck you so angrily later. Hunter's got a strong Australian accent, and he is racist against the Pilgrims, like more than anyone else. Well, him and the sub commanding officer. The sub commander. Most those two are basically defined by the fact that they don't they remember the Pilgrim War more harshly than the other people. I mean, notably, Angel, her parents died in the Pilgrim Wars. And she still doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't give a rat fuck because this guy's just another boot on her ship. <laughs> but not that that matters. She keeps barking orders at him and he keeps going, uh, is that an order or a suggestion? No, that's what she said. He, cause he always goes, well, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. And she's like, well, that, was that an order or a suggestion? He's like, oh, I, I guess it was an order. I, wait a minute. Am I in the military? I keep forgetting if I'm in the military. Would you remind me? And then she's like, she's like, instead of saying, go do a million push-ups, she's like, Oh, sit down. I'll have a conversation. Oh, with you. honey. Oh, gosh. I'm going to break protocol for the only time I've ever done it in the past three minutes. <laughs> uh, okay, so Matthew Lillard makes friends with people by being the most annoying, stupid jackass possible. Oh, and yeah. And as soon as they are ready to actually kick his ass, he goes, I have scotch. Yeah, and like, oh, gross. you're my friend. Yeah, it, basically, imagine if it, if it was Jake Busey from Starship Troopers and you're there and you're done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the same character doing the same dumb bullshit. So the only difference is that he's a fighter pilot instead of a grunt on the ground, and instead of uh, booze, Jake Busey shows up with a rad electric space violin. <laughs> Which I'm way more inclined to like a big idiot if he has a rad space violin, right? Than if he has booze, yeah, I don't really care about the. I mean, they should already have booze on the ship. Ugh. So so anyway, they manage to ingratiate themselves with the crew, and then they start doing some missions where there's some Kilrathi. John, by the way, your prediction about whether or not you see the Kilrathi. Uh, I was basically right in that we see them very, very briefly and only at the end of the movie. Yeah, they're in the movie for all of about two minutes. Mostly they're just flying around being spaceships that have green energy. And then near the end you get a couple shots of them standing around talking to each other and they kind of look like... They're like the He-Man movie level of uh, of sophistication. Oh, yeah. This, this really looks like... In a normal movie, these would be the background Kilrathi. Like, you'd have a few guys that were done up real well to stand in front... 
And then for, like, the faceless background ones, yeah. you'd have these guys. Like, these, like the people who were in monkey masks in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, or the guy wearing the werewolf mask in Star Wars in the cantina. Yeah, no, that's that's one of those things where you're like, oh, you're a background guy, we're gonna see you for five seconds, or way off in a distance, we don't need to do a good job. Normally, when you see these guys too long in a movie, it's super incongruous. Like, there's a scene near the end of uh, the second uh, Lord of the Rings movie... Where one of the orcs gets too close to the camera and it's clear he's just wearing a, a Halloween mask that's been spray painted gold. <laughs> and, and he looks crazy and ridiculous and it pulls you out. You're like, what the hell? Oh my, ah. Yeah. But, yeah, in this movie, they're front and center. It looks like seven or eight Gwildors just standing around going, rah, rah, dah, 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 dah. So anyway, that's the Kilrathi. Yep, there they are. Uh-huh. Okay, so we get a few establishing scenes in here where... Matthew Lillard and Rosie have a competition to see who can be the worst pilot. Oh yeah, who can be the most crazy, annoying pilot who should not be allowed to be a pilot. The first time they go out and they come back to the ship, when they land, they both go in far too quickly, spin while going into the docking area, and then land and almost murder people. Yeah, you can see people jumping directly out of their way and almost getting decapitated by the wings. By the way, the ships in this, they look exactly like orc fighter bombers. Yeah, if you play 40k, which, I mean, maybe you do. Nah, who knows. But go look up, go Google an orc fighter bomber, and you will see. That's orc with a K. Yeah. I, it looks exactly like that. The big stupid guns, the too stubby of wings, the whole thing, they, they just look like... They just look like orc ships, and they're all dirty and broken, too, so they really they really managed to capture that orc aesthetic. Which is weird, because you'd think, alright, well, this is some battleship with... It hasn't seen combat, apparently, recently, and it should have fairly decent ships. Well, it, and also, they should be being kept clean by the huge crowd of ground crew that they have. Yeah, they whatever they show, well, the loading dock, yeah. it's always just crowds of people. Yeah, there's like 800 guys in red jumpsuits down there moving torpedoes back and forth. <laughs> you never see them launch torpe the, the uh, missiles on the ships ever, but you do see them loading missiles in and out of things constantly. Well, yeah, if those missiles move under 60 miles per hour, they will explode. Well, they're always moving more than 60 miles per hour. They're aboard a spaceship. Oh! <laughs> okay, so, uh... They go out and do a little test flight where they both kind of do some flips and stupid bullshit and land, and again, I'm talking about Rosie and M Maniac... And then they both get dressed down by by uh, Saffron Burrows, and then, gosh, uh, Rosie, nothing comes of it. She's like, no, she comes hey, in and apologizes. Don't, don't do that. And then they're like, okay, whatever. Well, Angel pop, Rosie pops in to apologize to Angel in one of the weirder scenes in the film, where where she's like, uh, look, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking. I really want to fuck that guy. <laughs> that was probably one of the more amusing, better done scenes, where yeah. she just shows up to the commanding officer's room with half a bottle of scotch and is like, look, I was just showing off. Because I want the D, alright? Yeah, I really need... I gotta get in that guy's pants, and I was showing off because he seems like that's his type. And Saffron Burroughs is like, why aren't you just masturbating? And she's like, I am, it's not as good. He's and like, because like, Dick, way better than just fucking myself. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's a surprisingly honest conversation, briefly stuck into this thing. <laughs> it's it's incongruous, it's weird to let... You know what, it, it, what, I hate to say it because it shouldn't be, but it's weird that this is a conversation the women in the movie are having. Oh yeah. Normally, well, this the, is a locker room conversation for dudes... I, it's good that they moved it over. And the weirdest thing to me is the only characters that have any growth or depth or emotion in this movie are Rosie and Matthew Lillard. Maniac and Rosie are the only two people in this movie that I ended up even remotely caring about because everyone else is just either whiny, incompetent, both, or angry. Yeah. And the two of them are just like, oh no, we've learned, to, we, we've fallen in love. We're perfect for each other. Anyway, my prediction that Matthew Lillard was going to die in this film because he's the the third guy out of a three person fighter pilot team was wrong just because the love interest wasn't mentioned in the tra in the trailer because she's introduced so they can kill her. Oh yeah, she we get a wonderful fridging of Rosie because oh it's it's her own fault. Don't call it, I mean she's still just getting fridged. I mean absolutely oh, yeah. to power up Matthew Lillard's superpowers. But what happens is they go off to, to investigate a Kilrathi satellite nearby, and it turns out it's a trap, and there's a whole bunch of Kilrathi fighters and shit that show up and start shooting at them, and they manage to escape, and then they get called aboard the ship, and Lillard's like, hey, you want to not go back aboard the ship and instead go shoot Kilrathi fighters that are just hanging around in the area? Yeah, it's so, like, they would have fallen for a trap where it was like, oh, they... They saw some people in the asteroid field, and they sent all of their best fighters to go kill the Kilrathi over there, but that was a diversion, and they were actually going to attack the main ship. Right. So, they come back, defend the ship, and then drive off the Kilrathi. 
So yeah, they go, okay, everyone return to ship. We, Good job, we everybody. Yeah. And, and the two of them were like, hey, you want to go not do that and shoot Kilrathi? Like, at that point, two lone fighters are chasing after the, like, seven or eight Kilrathi destroyers or whatever. Yeah, cruisers away. and who cares what. Yeah, they keep getting described as, as cruisers and destroyers. They keep saying, like, it's two destroyers, sir. Oh, no, sir. It's also a cruiser. And it's like just three indistinguishable gray and green blobs. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they look, what they are. So, and, so they chase after random Kilrathi fighters that are out there. And, uh, in, in a display of bravado, they keep trying to fly closer to them when they shoot them. And so, then, like, the first one, Rosie's just like, alright, and I get close, and he tries to shoot at me, and I shoot him down. And then fucking Matthew Lillard's like, oh, I'll show you real balls. And he just plays chicken with one of them. Yeah. Shoots him right before he gets to him. And then peels out. Rosie, apparently following literally right on his wing, then gets hit by that ship. Yeah. And then she, her ship breaks, and while he tries to fly her in safely, she dies on the runway. And in one of my favorite scenes in the movie, they, she dies on the runway, and this ship's runway is out in space. You kind of land on it, and then you pass through a little field thing that takes yeah, you inside the, the ship. the field that stops the air from escaping, so you have kind of like a little force field thing. Right, but, it's, but you still have to land on a runway, which... But, yeah, I, the, I, run, the runway's outside, and then you hit the field, and then there's a little bit more runway? I guess, but the important... I, I assume the runway's either magnetized or just has localized gravity or something, because otherwise, why would you bother touching it? You're, you're in space. You yeah, can, you, it, the whole thing—it's like a fighter ship and, a, and an aircraft carrier. They—they they basically throw space out the window. There's sparks flying everywhere in space. There's all kinds of shit that can't possibly happen. So she lands badly on the runway, and her ship catches on fire out there. Which, okay, that actually does make sense because that's oxygen that's lighting on fire as it vents out from the ship. But then they send a tractor to push it off the runway, and when it gets pushed off the runway, it falls. <laughs> Where does it fall? <laughs> Not only that, but it shows. The, uh, like, the inside the cockpit. And we see she's actually still alive. Yeah. Like, she blinks and kind of moves. And instead of the tractor being like, oh, well, I'm a big thing that can push a ship. I'll just push it inside the barrier, and then we'll get her out of here. Nope. Fuck her. Push her off. Yeah. So And why? Because the fighters that were outside didn't have a lot of fuel left. This would take, like, ten seconds. If you were literally ten seconds away from just... I don't know, floating, then they can send someone out to drag you back in, too. I know, it's weird. They just give up on her. I mean, granted, we aren't experts in the Wing Commander universe, so maybe there's a whole bunch of things we don't know about why they can't just save her. But ultimately, she's already on the ship. She's just outside the field. They could throw a lasso at her. Also, once they push her off the uh, the runway, she should just be floating there next to them. <laughs> she already has the same velocity they do because she's been stuck to them for a while. She's always go already going the same way they are. So they could just uh, they could just lift her up out of the way and she just keep floating along at the same speed as them because that's how space works. But no, she falls like a hot rock to nothing. <laughs> uh, which made me almost think that she was gonna come back at some point because I was like, oh well, she's clearly alive. Yeah. They just pushed her off the ship. Maybe her ship will begin slightly functioning and she'll come in at some crucial point. But no, she just dies. She just dies. I, she falls. She falls, you know, you fall in space and you just fall. Yeah, how you fall in space and yeah. die. Yeah, so that's what happens to her. So that's the end of her and then Matthew Lillard goes into a little depression spiral and uh, during this time period it's revealed that Captain Taggart who is the uh, the French guy who was the captain of the little tiny ship is actually Paladin, the super secret Commodore of Ultra Naval Intelligence which he's been keeping a secret even though that would have been real useful earlier when they were like, we don't believe you're even military. Okay, then the only reason that they believe him oh, yeah, so great. they're like, oh, this this path you'd put us on would put us right in the way of the Kilrathi. Why would you do that? I don't believe that this is real, even though I have no reason to disbelieve you. And he goes, well, I have this. And gives the captain a ring. And the captain's like, oh, that's good enough for me. And the... Well, like, the captain says yes, first of all. I mean, because he went to Jared. <laughs> he went to Jared? <laughs> I it wonder... could only be Jared! I'm kind of worried that Jared might be a San Diego local thing. and yeah, then... Maybe. <laughs> Whatever. Jared's a local ring store. Imagine your own ring store commercials Come and how on. annoying they are. I don't know. K Jewelers? Is that countrywide? I have no idea. I, I don't need rings for anything. Uh, okay. So he shows the captain the ring and he's like, here, this should prove that I know what I'm all about. And the captain's like, this is Justin's. This is a good class ring. <laughs> he went Justin's. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Enough, <laughs> enough ring jokes. So the then like the sub officer is like, who fucking cares about a ring? Fuck this guy. 
And then the captain goes off and I'm like, do you know what this ring is? This has been in like the Admiral's family for 16 generations. Admiral Tolwyn, who is the, who is David Warner. So David Warner at some point gave this guy his ring just in case he would need to convince a captain to do something when the captain didn't want to. What, when what he could have done is just said, yeah, I'm actually naval intelligence. You have to do whatever the fuck I say because I way outrank you. Oh yeah. And even then, like maybe he comes up and instead of this guy being the captain, the subordinate officer was the guy who was in charge of this vessel and had never h- fucking heard of this ring initiation. Yeah. And was like, okay, you have a ring. That's Great. A I ring. don't give a shit. Yeah. Hey, look at this. I got one too. I've been married for 30 years and I hate it. <laughs> hey, guys, I am I right? Uh, uh, come on. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> so yeah, apparently so he, anyone who's the captain of a ship has secret knowledge of how the admirals had a ring in his family for a long time. Great. Uh, so then we get to the point where the Kilrathi are going to make whatever jump they're going to do, and we have to get back and warn the fleet. So we have to go get their coordinates from them. So we being the, the human race. So we they, they managed to launch an invasion of one of the Kilrathi ships to get back their Navcom computer thing, which incidentally appears to be a car battery. Also, so, okay, there is some communications ship that they jumped onto. Mm-hmm. Now, that communications ship just happened to have this NAVCOM on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure, it is a communications ship. The likelihood is slightly more than zero that it would be on there. But then they go on, they're like, oh, we found it. We found the communication, the NAVCOM computer's here. All right, bye, and then they just leave it there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, ultimately, leaving it there is probably not a terrible idea. Do they think the Kilrathi are completely stupid? How hard is it to just copy the data on that thing? Also, the so the only reason we need to go on there is to find out what coordinates the Kilrathi were going to use so we knew where they would jump out from. Yeah, where in the Sol solar system they would pop out and launch their invasion against Earth. So, apparently they have one jump uh, axis that takes them to Earth, and it's the same jump axis that everyone uses. So they're just like, all they really need to know is when the Kilrathi would show up. And But the, it didn't matter when the fleet was going to be there. They had to stall them. What they needed to know was where, even though where, maybe there are more than one they could have picked. But as soon as, as soon as humans jumped onto their communication ship, you'd think they'd go, oh, they know which uh, jump point we're going to use. Let's use a different one, guys. Guys, yeah. Guys, let's do that. No, instead they they use the one they were already going to use, and they just rely on the fact that the humans won't be able to warn the Sol solar system in time. That's their idea. So, okay, well now we have to launch the invasion now because these humans know that we know, but these humans are really far away from the home of the Bacon Dog, yeah. so we're <laughs> we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to beat them to it. As long as we can stop them from jumping through the, and warning them where we're gonna be, then we can jump through and kill them, which. Okay, why didn't they just jump through, like, like ten hours ago? Yeah, like, as soon as they got the coordinates. And they're they like, had oh, it, like, these are the coordinates. Let's all like, jump. Do we have, like, ten ships? Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, no. Apparently they're like, well, we need to wait until it will be plausible well, for the humans to get there. Let's fly around in this asteroid field for a while, guys. What do you say? What do you, are Come you on. feeling like that? You little, on, uh, guys, little asteroid uh-huh. time? Asteroids? Huh? Asteroids? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ball flaunters? <laughs> so... Okay, anyway, they get the coordinates, and then they have their big ship meeting, and oh my gosh, it's the dramatic renewal of what happened at the beginning of the movie. Remember that? When when they had to go through that jump, and only uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. was was alien enough to be able to successfully navigate the jump? And they're like, okay, here's how it works. We have to jump through this big, complicated jump nebula thing to get to warn the, the people. Okay? All right, we're going we're gonna to have to send you, J.G. Wentworth. Also, Angel, go with him. What? What? You've just established that the only person who has the ability to make this jump is J.G. Wentworth. Yeah. And so Freddie Prinze Jr. is like, yeah, I, I guess I can do that, sure. And they're like, also, take this other lady who will obviously die. Definitely die, because she's not in your ship. So just take her with you. And he's like, he's like, okay, you got it. Sure, let's do that. So the two of them go out to uh, fly the message about where the Kilrathi are going to arrive through, but it the, turns- through the warp tunnel. Turns out a torpedo is headed towards the main ship, so Angel's like, you go on without me, I'm gonna go shoot down this torpedo, you go be a big hero. And he's like, no. You no, have to I con- don't follow commands. No. Orders are for military guys. And then she's like, well, I'm also not following commands. And then he comes back, she's like, hey, quit following commands, even though I didn't follow commands. You should follow my commands, not the commands I no, didn't follow. Take that thing and save Earth. No, I'm not doing that, because then I wouldn't be able to hang around you. 
Okay, well, I want you to, though, and if you don't, I'll have you court-martialed. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if I'm court-martialed. Oh, well, then you're not going to get any of these boobs. <laughs> I, I, I assume. I don't no, know. It, it was, I think eventually it was just, look, like, billions of people yeah. will die if you don't do this. Serious? Oh, fine. Oh, fine. I guess I'll it. save billions of people. Mom. <laughs> uh, Just don't make me take my little brother. Which, okay, so he goes to the uh, the Charybdis Nebula, which is the jump point here, which, hey, Scylla and Charybdis, which they also have to spend time explaining oh, yeah, they, they what explain, Scylla and Charybdis are. They go into a bunch of stuff about Ulysses right in the middle of this. So, yeah. Uh, then he gets followed by some big Kilrathi ship who follows him through the navigation jump point that only he was super brained enough to make. Well, apparently their nav computer can work if it has enough processing time. Because otherwise, how do the humans get out there in the first place? It's because they have, you have to line up, just like when you had to get to that beacon. They have to line up at the beacon and go like, all right, nav computer, do your thing. And it goes, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 beep, like that, like a fucking Bill and Ted movie, for for an hour, and then it goes, ding, sir, I have calculated a vector through that thing, that, thingamabob. So you, normally, you have to sit there and wait. Apparently, the, the uh, Kilrathi don't, because they have cool Kilrathi technology. Except and, the whole point, I, I assumed, was that the Kilrathi didn't have those computers. Well, see, my, my thing, the Kilrathi had the computers, they just didn't know where Earth was. That was the big, uh, for me, that, that was what came across. The, the whole point of the movie is that the Kilrathi, this is the first time they've ever figured out where Earth is. And they're like, well, we can just go fucking wipe them out. Take them and their stupid bacon dogs and blow it off the map. Whereas I assumed throughout the entire thing watching this that the only reason the Kilrathi hadn't done anything is they didn't have the nav computers that the humans had because they had said before that the navcoms were based on pilgrim brains. And right, so the yeah. only reason that the humans have it is because they based it off pilgrims, and that's why the Kilrathi. Well, well, in that case, the Kilrathi can't be all that stretched out across the universe because they can't make warp jumps. Which means you could pretty much just be like, "All right, as humanity, we're just going to take everything that's not within sublight distance of the Kilrathi homeworld, and we're fine. We're done." Hey guys, you want to come kill us because you're big main cat monsters? Too bad because you can't get here without having to spend thousands of years in sublight speed. Yeah, I I don't know. Whatever. So it he doesn't makes, matter. Whatever. This Kilrathi makes the jump with. Freddie Prinze Jr. shoots at him. Freddie Prinze comes out and manages to tell David Warner that, hey, these are the coordinates. This is where fucking the Kilrathi are going to jump out from. Right, and then the big Kilrathi ship keeps chasing him, so he heads towards that first warp jump thing that he went to the first time. Because David Warner was like, well, we can't spare anyone to go save this guy, because everyone needs to be where the jump point is. Right, so the Kilrathi ship is still chasing him instead of, you know, doing something useful like trying to warn the other Kilrathi ships or anything like that. He's go this huge battleship's chasing this one little fighter around the Sol system for fun, I guess. Yeah, well, so he's like, fuck that guy. I hate that guy. So they chase him, and then they go to that Scylla warp point thing that he went to the very first time he did any warping in the movie, and he manages to fly around in there without crashing, but they don't, and they disappear. Yeah, because he's like, okay, I know where the break point is for how close we can get before we get sucked in. So he gets right next to it and then backs off. The big ship is too big to slow down in time and so gets sucked into it. That makes sense, because mass matters in space a lot. It does. It matters a whole bunch. Yeah. So, uh, so then they go... Fly, they, they get sucked into a black hole sort of thing and disappear, and then the Kilrathi ships come out of the warp point like they were supposed to, one by one, and they are evaporated by David Warner's fleet, but they can't send messages back because they're getting blown up too fast. Oh yeah, it's a ship pops out, gets blown up, next ship pops out, gets blown up, and I don't know why they needed, like, the entire Confederation fleet here for that. You could have had, like, three ships, because it is literally just a ship comes out, and is already being hit by shit as they come out. Yeah. Because they are just trained guns on that point. And so, like, ship comes out, blows up. Ship comes out, blows up. Like, you don't need, when they show it, there's like 50 goddamn battleships here. You do not need that. What they should have done is just gone over, grabbed one of the spare moons of Jupiter, towed it into that warp spot, and just <laughs> been like, there, we're done. All right, we're all set. Come on out, guys. Poof, poof. Oh, they're just, they're just hitting a planet as they come out. This is great. Ugh. But, uh, no, they all stand there and fire ultimate, huge amounts of ammunition at everybody. And then they, uh, so they tow Freddy yeah. onto David Warner's ship. And, and Paladin, or Checky Cario, manages to rescue the escape pod with, uh, Saffron Burrows in it. But she's run out of oxygen, which is a minor plot point that, that gets mentioned for about a second. 
and then uh, she's woken up by the power of love, and and uh, and then yeah. and then they have one more little cute is that an order or a suggestion line, which makes me want to barf because no one in this movie follows orders. It is the worst military in the history of Earth. It is so bad. It is the worst run military I have seen in a movie. Like not even just oh compared to actual military or whatever. I'm saying like give me any military in a movie. This is the worst. Mikhail's Navy. Worse. Okay, uh, the people working under uh, Captain What's-His-Face on you, on uh, Down Periscope. Worse. Okay, fair enough. All right. Because at least that's like the police academy of submarines. <laughs> police academy of submarines. <laughs> that's how they pitched it. That was the pitch meeting. Look, I've got a police academy movie, but it takes place on a submarine. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, these guys are just insufferable dicks. None of them seem to have any specific role that they serve in the military. They just run around wherever they want to on the ship. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know what? Fuck it. Let's get to our least favorite and most favorite in this movie. It's actually the right time to do that. We have yeah. about five minutes left. Okay. So, your uh, your favorite thing in this movie. We'll go with that. What what thing did you like most in Wing Commander? Oh, uh, God, give me something. Anything. Oh, my God. This movie was just so boring and bad. Uh, I liked, uh, oh, I, I know, I like the, uh, the one conversation that Saffron Burroughs had with her, uh, her lieutenant, Rosie, because that was, that was neat, where the two of them had an open human conversation about something other than the war that lasted, like, two minutes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. See? I mean, granted, it wasn't a Bechdel pass, t- uh, passing sort of thing, because they were still talking about how much they like Dick, but at least they weren't just going on and on about portents of the war, like every other conversation in the whole uh, film. Uh, uh. So, yeah. Yeah, Okay. So that's my favorite. Yours? Uh, my favorite thing in the movie is definitely going to be... I want to say the relationship between Rosie and Maniac. Because... But the, Maniac sucks so much. Thing is, I don't hate Maniac because at least he had a personality. Yeah. Like, everyone else in this film is so goddamned boring and terrible. And he was the only one who was like, Hey, I have a personality quirk. I'm loud and egotistical okay yeah great and then he had an actual relationship and the reason he's in that relationship made an amount of sense unlike the relationship between fucking freddie prince jr and saffron burrows saffron burrows because their main characters where maniac and his love interest they're just both crazy yeah she's just like like a girl she's a lady maniac yeah it's like i'm a crazy pilot who's way into myself oh well i'm a crazy pilot who's way into myself we should bone because that would be neat yes it would be neat let's do that we actually have something in common where saffron burrows and freddie prince jr have hero of the movie disease they have no reason to like each other they just constantly piss each other off and then last scene they make out oh yeah they're like oh well i guess we're both the surviving main characters you want to do it oh okay yeah let's do it although that doesn't happen instead she's dragged off in a stretcher in the credits roll yeah there you go. Okay, so least favorite. Uh, it's gonna be the military doctrine of this movie. I'm not a I'm not a military guy. I just I like airplanes a little bit, but but every time in this movie anyone gives an order, it's immediately challenged or disregarded every single time. And you have to have establishment that the military works before you can introduce a wild card to your military movie. Yeah, the whole I'm not obeying that order needs to carry some weight because you've established that people normally follow orders. Right. You need to see someone follow an order once or twice throughout the course of the film for the main character to come off as a rebel and not just one more jackass in a sea of them. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, so that's my least favorite. You? Okay, so this is... My least favorite thing in this movie is the sub-commanding officer. Oh, yeah, he's like super racist. So, specifically, this guy is shown... Never to be right about anything. Yeah. Every time he has an opinion, it's wrong. He thinks that fucking Checky is some kind of spy and he's not. He hates Freddie Prince Jr. and thinks he's trying to sabotage everything because he's half pilgrim and he's not. There's a great scene where where uh, he tries to interrogate Saffron Burroughs into willfully admitting that he's probably a traitor. Oh yeah, he's basically has a leading conversation of like, yeah. well, are you certain that he found this uh lock on on you? Yeah. What are you sure he's not a traitor for the Kilrathy? Are you sure? Yeah, and so uh and then throughout the movie, he also ends up just showing up places. He's like, 
Oh, you guys are going on a mission to board this Kilrathi thing? Well, I'm going to go with you. And that's after Poirot's been knocked out. So he is the commanding officer of the battleship, and he's like, fuck it, I'm going on an away mission. That'll be yeah, fun. This isn't fucking Star Trek. You stay the fuck on board yeah, your ship. You are not Captain Kirk. You haven't earned what he's earned. <laughs> Captain Kirk gets to ignore the protocol of his ship and go on missions because he's Captain Kirk. And in addition, he also just randomly shows up in, like, the fucking loading bay when they're loading people onto a, like, the, in the final scene when they're loading, uh, Saffron uh, onto Saffron, the stretcher. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm also here. Doesn't even have a line, he's just there. He's there because he's Jurgen Prock now. He's the fifth build person in the movie, so he's gonna be in every scene. And he's just constantly an asshole to everyone. Yeah. But, and this is the big thing, he never gets a redemption moment. Like, when I'm watching, say, Aliens, mm-hmm. and you get the, uh, the chicken shit commanding officer, you're like, alright, you're terrible and you suck, and you're bad at everything, but you get a redemption moment. You get a moment where you're like, oh, I'm actually gonna, like, give my life in order to save these marines, or give them some time, and you're like, alright, great. You actually did something. He never redeems himself. He's never right. He's never nice. He's never good at his job. Yeah. He also doesn't get a catharsis moment for the audience. For example, taking Aliens again, the Wayland yutani guy. Yes. We also don't get him where, like, a Kilrothi guy just fucks his shit up. Yeah, he doesn't get killed at the end of the movie in a way that's cathartic to you. A T-Rex doesn't need him or anything. He's just bad and terrible, and then the, then he goes on being bad and terrible at the end of the film. Which, you know, okay, that's fine. That's That's close to real life, you know. You have a shitty boss, they're not going to get fired just because they're shitty. They're your boss. Yeah. So I understand it, it's just weird in a film. Yeah, in film logic, this made no sense for him to be a character here. He also didn't provide any sort of tension, because even if he gave a command that's like, I don't want that pilgrim guy piloting a thing, he would immediately be ignored because no one obeys commands. Well, because Poirot was way more interested in uh, Chucky Cario. So he'd be like, hey, uh, Gerald. Gerald is Jurgen Prock now's character. He'd be like, hey, Gerald, what do you think we should do right now? Well, sir, I hate that fucking pilgrim, and I want to turn around and go the other way than we're going right now. And then Jackie Carey would be like, that is a bad idea. And and the captain would be like, yeah, I agree with Jackie Carey, who is incongruously on the bridge because I think he's a civilian. But uh, we're going to do what he says. It's like uh, it's like if Riker had been constantly ignored in favor of Troy. Like, uh, what do you think we should do, Deanna Troy? Well, I think that one of them is slightly nervous, Captain. That's my reading. Great, we're going to run on that. Sir, that's that's what we want. Sir, I have military advice. Yeah, we're going to go off what the psychologist says, because she's got cleavage paint. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so there you go. Final ratings for this, the way we do that. Uh, Each of us is going to give a score between 1 and 5. We're going to add that together to give you a score out of 10. Jeff, scoring this film 1 to 5, what do you give it? 2. A2. A2 because sometimes the visual effects were kind of cool. I like some of the ship designs. Not a lot. Like, literally, I think I just like the one type of fighter. Which, there is only one type of fighter. Because you see the Kilrathi fighters, and the Kilrathi fighters literally look like the game Wing Commander. That's, oh, yeah. The actual fight scenes in this in space are just lifted from Wing Commander. Oh, yeah. They could just be shots from a from an updated version of Wing. It's similar to how the Doom movie had one or two shots in it that were just Doom. Yeah. Just for fun. So there were a couple of visual effect shots that were not atrocious, and for me, that kind of held my attention more than some of the other movies we've seen. All right. So two. Yeah. Uh, for me, I am also going to give it a two. Uh, it was incomprehensible and infuriating, mm-hmm. but it was enough to keep me watching. Mm-hmm. Like, because it was so incomprehensible, I was more invested in hearing what the fuck was going on so I could maybe figure out what the plot was. And, and let me, let, let's be honest here, Jackie Cario's French accent was not helping with that. Oh my god, I could not understand half of what he was saying. You, you could hear things he was saying and they would come out wrong. He'd be like, we've come to a planet of 10,000 missing metal women. <laughs> like, like, the fuck did you just say? Did you just say 10,000 missing metal women? And it's, no, he said men and women. But but the way his French accent comes, men and women. He's like, metal women? What? what you, is this the planet where heavy metal was made? <laughs> what, what's going on? Uh, yeah, no. So even though it was real bad, it at least had enough going for it that I didn't, like, fall asleep. So not good, but not so boring that I can't follow it. 
Yeah, I think my favorite of the che- the misheard Checky Cario lines is when he said, "Let me see what's under your shirt." And he, yeah, he actually said that, but it sounded like he was saying something else. But let me see what's under your shirt to Freddie Prince Jr. is so incongruous that, <laughs> that you're like casting about for what the hell did he just say? What was that garbled into? But no, he wants to see some necklace that Freddie Prince Jr. has. It's a switchblade that proves he's a pilgrim. Yay! Yay! All right, there you go. It's a four out of ten. Yep. So four out of ten for Wing Commander. Would you recommend people watch this film? Don't do it. It's bad. Watch anything else. Any kind of space movie. Do you have any space movie recommendation for something they should I watch mean, instead? I mean, honestly, watch... You've already seen them all, right? Yeah, you've seen Star Wars. Watch Star Wars. Watch this or, or watch Serenity. Yeah, come on. Just do it. Watch... Go watch Battlestar Galactica again. Yeah, just stop at the end of Season 3. Yeah, there you go. Right? That's fine. Yeah, because, God, I kept watching. and <laughs> I know some people like that fourth season of Battlestar Galactica, but boy... There you go. All right. There's our recommendation for Battlestar Galactica. First three seasons. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much for listening to Movie Mastery. If you've got any suggestions for movies that we should watch, you can get at us on systemmastery at gmail.com. We are System Mastery on Twitter, System Mastery on Facebook. Leave us a message anywhere we are on social media. You can find us. Let us know what you want us to watch. And if you actually do send us something to watch then uh, we will weight that a little heavier in our random roll. More than that, actually. If you send us something, or if you send us a recommendation and we can't find it, then we won't watch it. That happened today, because the first thing I rolled was 1979 Captain America. And unfortunately, that is impossible to find. I couldn't even download it. I couldn't even illegally download it, which I I would certainly never do. Certainly. But, uh, you know, I couldn't if I wanted to. So if you want us to watch 1979 Captain America, you're going to need to give us the hookup. Yeah. So, uh... If you've got anything else that you want us to see or any recommendations for what you want to see on the show, let us know. Uh, Otherwise, I am John. This has been Jeff. Thank you so much for listening to Movie Mastery, and we will see you next time.